Welcome to Entrepreneur Decoded, the show which reveals the habits, fears, failures, and joys of today's most inspiring and successful entrepreneurs, with new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Now, here's your host, Simon Sander. Let's get into the show. Today's featured guest is Melissa Griffin. Welcome, Melissa. Hello. Thank you. Melissa is an online entrepreneur with a huge audience. She started her blog in 2013 when she was teaching English abroad. The blog rapidly became her after-work obsession. She soon quit her job, and by today, Melissa has helped over 100,000 people through webinars and Facebook community. Melissa, tell us a bit more about yourself and fill in any blanks. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Um, like you said, I started my business when I was teaching abroad in Japan. Um, it became just a blog community at first. I was really interested in building a community and bringing people together. And then I segued into launching a web design studio, which I did for a couple of years. And now it's brought me to kind of a different place. Um, now what I'm doing is teaching online courses and workshops and, like you said, webinars to people who want to start or grow an online business. So that's my main focus right now. Um, but I think before our call, you mentioned that you found me through my Facebook group. So that's a big part of my focus, too, is still creating those communities for people, especially entrepreneurs, where they can grow as people and find that sense of belonging with each other and also learn some really amazing things to help them get ahead. Yeah, Melissa's Facebook group is one of the most active Facebook groups when it comes to entrepreneurship, online business with more than 40,000 active members in it, which is insane. Melissa, will come back to that later. But first, I want to jump into our first question. If you could teach everyone in the audience just one thing, something that you feel has been the biggest contributor to successes so far, what would that be? That's a great question. I would... I would teach people confidence because I think when you have confidence, you believe in yourself and your abilities, um, your ability to make mistakes and to recover from those and learn from them and your ability to believe in other people without seeing them as competition where everything just feels possible instead of things feeling like you're competing with everybody and you're just kind of comparing yourself to other people's success. So having that confidence to know that you're worthy and you're capable and other people's success doesn't define your own, I think is huge, especially for people that I've seen who are starting a business and just get into these mindsets of feeling like they can't do it because they just don't have the experience, et cetera. So confidence is, I think, the biggest thing that I would want everyone to have. That is interesting. Uh, I think it all ties back to when you quit your job, when you were bored and when you started that online community. That, that took a leap of faith from your side and you had to be pretty confident about what you can accomplish. That's a great point. Um, and, and it's funny because when I started my blog and my community, I was very unconfident at the time. I was, um, I didn't feel like I believed in myself and it was hard for me to do a lot of the things like even just putting a photo of myself on my website. I felt like I was really putting myself out there. So I, that's a great point that I don't think people have to start with confidence. I think it's something that you grow into, but you have to be willing to take that leap of faith and just believe that it's going to work out, even if it's really scary and you have no idea what's on the other side. So how about today? Do you see yourself as a confident person, Melissa? 
I do. I do. And I I think it's been several years in the making. Um, And I think that having a business has been one of the biggest experiments and tests in confidence that I've ever gone through in my entire life. Because you're faced with these decisions that can cost you a lot of money or ruin relationships if you go at them the wrong way. And you just really have to know what you're doing, or at least just feel confident in what you're doing. Um, So it's been an amazing experience just having a business to see how it's made me a better person, not just in my business life, but in my personal life too. So uh, I, and I do think pretty much all of that has come from those leaps of faith where I kind of just took that step and, and saw something beautiful happen or even just made a mistake and then gained something from that mistake. Melissa, I want to talk about numbers. Um, tell me some of the numbers you can share with the audience, uh, revenue, for example, for melissagriffin.com. Sure. So um, in 2016, <clears throat> we did about 1.3 million in revenue. Um, this year, my goal is 3 million in revenue and to help 3 million people. Um, and right now in our community, I mean, if we add all of the communities up, it's probably close to 250, 300,000 people altogether. Um, but yeah. So <laughs> we definitely have seen um, an increase in these people coming into our community in the past year, which has just been an amazing gift. That is fascinating to hear. Uh, there are not too many blogs uh, and personal brands out there who do that well. Did you ever dream of making that kind of money? <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, when I started my business, I was a high school English teacher in Japan making about $30,000 a year. So to even make 50,000 sounded like this huge goal to me. And that, and that was something that was my goal for the first year in business. Um, but yeah, to make, to make over a million dollars in my business this past year and to have these big goals, it's reminded me that so many things are possible if you just put in the effort. It's interesting that you publish income reports on your blog. Uh, it's kind of like Pat Flynn and what uh, John Lee Dumas uh, do on their podcasts. What's the reason for you to do that? I think it's it, there's two reasons. So one is that I want to be transparent <clears throat> with my audience and I want them to be able to see what I'm spending money on and what's making me money because a lot of my audience are people who are in those beginner intermediate stages so I want them to see what they could be doing. And I also share like what things didn't work out for me or which things have really helped my business. So they're kind of like this transparent report where I can just share all these things about the behind the scenes of my business in order to help other people with their own businesses. Um, and also because I feel like an online business is not something that we really have stats on. Like I could tell you what the average salary for an attorney is or like the average salary for a teacher is, right? But nobody really knows what's possible with online businesses because so many people keep their income hidden. So I want to be transparent about that and make it more of the norm where people can see what they can actually do with their business. Um, and another thing, another reason why I want to publish income reports and why I do do publish them is like you mentioned, there's Pat Flynn, there's John Lee Dumas. Um, there's, there's several people who publish income reports, but most of them are men. Um, and I think for a lot of women who are getting into business, uh, it feels even more impossible and it feels like they, they can't make these big amounts of money for their business. So I want to be able to show people that regardless of whether you're a man or a woman, you can really grow a successful business. 
So an average you grows around 150k a month uh, with free courses and uh, some affiliate offers. Uh, tell me how long did it take for you to reach that point? I want to really stress that it wasn't an overnight success story. Oh yeah, absolutely. So um, just to give you a little rundown, my first year of business, I made about $60,000, which was more than I was as a teacher, but it was a pretty average income. Um, the next year I earned 240,000. And then my third full year in business was last year, which is when I earned 1.3 million. So, um, it definitely took several years to get there. Um, definitely not an overnight success. And a lot of it was when I transitioned. So for the first two years, I was mainly a web designer um, and was making good money. But then when I transitioned to online courses, which is much more scalable than a service-based business like web design, that's when my business really took off because I was able to help more people than working one-on-one. And uh, I, I just had this product that I could sell over and over again. So that contributed a lot to uh, the growth of my business last year. So you have three courses. The uh, first one is uh, how to grow an email list. Second one is on Pinterest. And third one is on social media. So what's the regular funnel look like? Uh, people land on your uh, website, uh, give uh, their email addresses, and then uh, they'll get to know you better and then eventually buy the course. Or what's usually the regular, uh, how does it work? How a person comes a customer to you? Right. So uh, there's two ways. One way is that I have launches of my courses every three months or so. And I'll do a big promotion for a couple weeks. We'll do um, a pre-launch event, like a free challenge or a free video series to really get people into the subject and really amped up. Um, and then we'll do a launch and make uh, a large part of my revenue from those launches. But what I also do, so I don't, I, I, like I said, I launch every three months or so. Um, so what I do in the meantime is I also have some sales funnels set up where when people opt into my email list, they're also invited to join things like a webinar where they can watch a really informative webinar and then also be pitched, for example, my Pinterest marketing course, Pinfinite Growth. And we make at least 10 sales of that per day from these evergreen funnels that are running on a daily basis and being promoted through Facebook ads and to people who are opting into my email list. Melissa, what has been the most effective growth strategy um, when it comes to uh, sending people to your site, uh, growing the business, getting those leads over the years? Something that you might use even to this day. Yeah, so one thing that I use and teach is uh, search engine optimization through Pinterest and Google. So my entire Pinfinite Growth course is about search engine optimization through Pinterest, but I also get a ton of traffic from Google too, just by implement implementing some really basic SEO strategies onto my blog posts. And I, I um, have, I think like 100 or 200 blog posts I've been blogging for a while now. Um, but just having that, just really focusing on creating content for search engines, implementing some basic SEO, and then getting a few hundred thousand page views per month is has just been a, a great way to organically grow my business because I'm getting all this traffic and then it's converting to email subscribers, which just continues to convert into customers too. I know that this is such a vague topic and it's such a big topic, SEO, search engine optimization. But uh, if there's someone in the audience who hasn't really thought about it before and is, is thinking about uh, getting the traffic from Google, what are some most effective ways to do so? Just in a nutshell, uh, without uh, without getting too deep in that. 
Yeah. So I, I would start by creating a blog. I think a blog is essential if you want to create a business and, um, write some really in depth, useful blog posts that are going to be relevant to your target audience. And then you really just want to research keywords and understand what a keyword is and then insert them into your blog posts, uh, the text of it into the title, the URL, and also on Pinterest into your pins description and um, on the pin image itself. And doing these pretty basic things can really help you to get more traffic when people are searching for those keywords or phrases on Google or on Pinterest. I like that. Melissa, we have a lot of successful entrepreneurs, but at the same time, we have people who don't have consumer consumers or clients to their products or services. Um, how did you reach your first 100 clients or 100 sales? Um, so my first 100, I, I think a large part of my strategy over the years has just been to really focus on my blog, not as like this side project for my business, but as something that's that's almost like a separate business or like an, another business. So I, um, when I started my business, I was blogging five days a week, which now seems crazy, <laughs> um, and and really just giving a lot of value. And that has been what has helped me grow my email list and attract my first clients and customers for my courses because people were able to count on me to provide value and they were also finding me through search engines because I had so much content. Um, and just by doing that, just by creating really valuable content, by giving before asking for something, my schedule started to fill up with clients and with customers because people were just really interested in what I was doing and what they were getting out of what I was doing. So I'd say for people who want to get those first clients and customers, think about ways that you can give before asking for something and how you can really give a ton of value to your potential clients and customers um, in order to attract them to you. So giving value, putting out awesome content and not expecting anything in return. You blogged five times a week. How often do you blog now? Now I probably blog about two times a month. So it's it's been cut back quite a lot. Um, I do have a, a pretty good archive of content, but creating more con consistent content this year on a weekly basis, that's my goal. Um, that's a big goal for me in 2017. Uh, I want to briefly talk about the Facebook group as well. How does that Facebook group tie into everything you do right now? So the Facebook group is a community of entrepreneurs and, and content creators like podcasters and bloggers who want to start an online business. Um, and I use it as a way to one, build that community, build that safe space where people can communicate and learn, um, where I'm also the leader of the group and I can chime in and, um, and teach things in there too. Um, and really just show my expertise, but also just build this community for people. But also when we're doing things like launches or free challenges, I always put graphics and um, promotions into the group as well in order to direct people to sign up for a webinar or to talk about a challenge that they recently signed up for. So everything ties into what I'm doing in my business at that moment. Um, and I really try to just rally the community behind those things. So that adds an element of social proof as well, because if someone in the Facebook group has signed up for my challenge and then someone else hasn't, and then the person who signed up has been raving in the Facebook group about how great the challenge is, then it convinces more and more people to also sign up. Um, and they do that for products too. If they took one of my courses and got great results, people are always chiming in there saying how great 
the course was for them. So it adds that element of social proof while also creating this great community where people can connect with each other. I guess the biggest question is keeping the Facebook group active and spam free. Um, I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of Facebook groups out there with uh, thousands of people in them, but your group was one of the first ones that had 40,000 people and there was literally zero spam and every single post was driven by value without expecting anything in return, something we talked about before. How did you... How were you able to do that? I think one of the biggest things is we have pretty strict rules and guidelines and we follow them very, um, very consistently. So I have myself and I also have two other people who are admins of the group who go through on a daily basis to search for spam, to delete posts that don't follow the rules and to remind people of what the rules are. So we have those rules as a way to benefit the entire community because like you said, spam makes it just spammy and you don't want to go into a group that's like that. So we have those rules for that reason and people really are consistent about it and they know the rules too. So they'll like report posts to us that don't follow the rules because it's so ingrained in our community. Um, and I also think that as the group leader, like who, if, if anyone listening is a creator of a Facebook group, the group will model your behavior too. So if you are going in and providing value and you're being encouraging um, and caring to these members, then they want to emulate that as well. They want to be part of that as the community. And um, or if you're you're going in and being sassy or rude or just kind of starting little fights with people, then then that's going to affect how your community runs and and what the kind of vibe is in your community. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, I'm I'm sure you've experienced that life of an entrepreneur is often like a roller coaster. And Melissa, I want you to look back and think of the worst entrepreneurial moment you've ever had. Uh, something that really stands out to you. Uh, can you take us through that story? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, the worst entrepreneurial moment that I've had. Um, you know, I don't know if this is really the worst or not. But one, one thing that I did is I, when I was a web designer, I was so adamant. I really wanted to create a greeting card shop where I designed greeting cards and art prints and sold them through an online store. And I thought this was going to be like my big thing. This is like my business idea. I was so excited about it. I bought a professional printer. I bought all these supplies and, and packing and whatever supplies. Um, and it cost me at the time about a thousand dollars, which that's when I was making about 50 K per year. So it felt like a lot of money. Um, and I put up my shop hoping for a lot of sales and I made like two sales, uh, in that, in that first week of my shop being open. And it felt like this crushing blow that nobody was really interested in it. And eventually I started getting some more sales. Um, and the shop was doing a lot better, but I realized that I hated it and I hated designing these prints, having to print them out and, uh, put them in all to the, pa in the packing supplies and go to the post office. It just felt like this big chore. So, um, it was a failure in the sense that it didn't work out. I, I don't do it anymore. Um, and I, I wasted some money on, on buying all those supplies. Um, but it, it was a success in the sense that I, I did learn something that I thought was a dream of mine for many years that ended up just not being something that was for me. Um, so I learned about myself in the process too, but, but yeah, that, that didn't really work out. <laughs> 
I guess you mentioned it, but what did you exactly learn? Did you learn that uh, you need to validate your idea uh, to create a minimum viable product? Or what was kind of the lesson you learned when you look back to this moment of your life? Yeah, I think definitely that um, to really research the market and make sure that this is something people want and how I can put a more creative spin on what I'm doing versus creating something that looks similar to what everyone else is doing. Um, and also to to really ask myself, why am I doing this? And is it something that I feel is the next step because everyone else just takes that as the next step as like a designer? Um, or is it something that really feeds my soul and is something that I enjoy and, and want to do? Um, because that was a big thing for me. It was probably the biggest reason I, I closed the shop down is just I just found it to be not fun for me. Um, so so and also just kind of going through those emotions of feeling like you're a failure because you're quitting this thing, but knowing that it's okay to quit something, even if you've put all this effort and time into it, it's okay to quit it if you're just not into it after doing all that work. I love that. Melissa, let's come to present day. How does your life look right now? Uh, my life is looking pretty good these days. <laughs> I um, About a month ago, I took up the practice of exercising five times a week. And I, and this is coming from somebody who was completely sedentary for like the past two years. So I never exercised and now I'm doing it, just jumped in all of a sudden five days a week and I love it. And, um, so I do that every day and it's, it gets me, um, just excited and energetic and I'm just feeling healthier too. Um, and it's also created this little ripple effect. So now I do things like meditate and, um, making my green smoothies in the morning and writing out my morning pages, just kind of getting all my thoughts out there. So I feel more organized and successful and just healthy. Um, but then my day to day, aside from those types of things is really just focused on what my project is. So I try to just focus on one project, one big project at a time and really just go for that um, on my day to day work schedule. Yeah, I can resonate with that. I started working out three months ago and exactly five times a week schedule. And uh, in the, I think the first month was the hardest. But now it was kind of like the keystone habit. Uh, once you start pursuing that, everything else follows really easily. So it's. Uh, I really hope you can. Uh, we can both uh, keep going with that. Uh, Melissa, if, if you had to pick one habit, uh, you talked about working out, uh, morning pages, uh, but something that you've done for a long time, uh, one personal habit that really contributes to your success, what would that be? Uh, let's see. One habit. You know, I always take time every day to either write or to think about how my day went and how I can um, either be grateful for the things that happened. So I always want to try and end each day and start each day with gratitude, but also thinking about what happened during the day that maybe I didn't feel happy about, like a way I reacted to something or the way a certain project or task went, whatever it is. Um, just thinking about why did I feel that way and how can I change that for tomorrow or the next day? Um, but really just ending each day with gratitude has been something that's changed my mindset for the better. I need to try that more. Melissa, thank you so much for coming in. Before we wrap up and say goodbye, I want to ask you about happiness. What brings you joy and really makes you happy in this life? Well, I, I would say all the things I just told you, <laughs> all of those things have really been adding to my happiness lately. Um, but I'd also say just in general, personal development 
just really focusing on working on myself, like going to events that maybe are out of my comfort zone or reading books that try and make me a better person or doing these things like meditation and morning pages, but being consistent about them in order to just become my better self. So those those types of things always make me happy, especially when I can see little pieces of progress over time to know that I'm on the right track. Um, and I'll also say my dog makes me super happy. And I recently bought him some dog board games, which are a thing. And, um, and they kind of like mentally stimulate your dog, but he, <laughs> it's like a, you put treats, they, they all have these like different setups, but you put treats maybe like under like a little box or something. And then they, they have to like figure out how to get the box open. So it's kind of, yeah, it's like a mind game for a dog, but uh, it's very interesting to watch and pretty cool to see him figure out these pretty complex puzzles. Melissa, we've covered so much in this interview. If uh, you could leave the audience with just one takeaway, what would that be? My one takeaway, uh, let's see, would probably just to be be that um, I want everyone to know that success, like you said, doesn't happen overnight. It's millions of tiny actions adding up to reaching these bigger goals. So thinking about what's that one step that you can take today that's going to get you to this bigger goal you have for the end of the year or the end of next year. So remember that it's a tiny step. It doesn't have to be this big thing and it has nothing to do with where your competitors are at right now or what they're working on. So think about what's that tiny step you can take today it's going to make a difference for tomorrow and the rest of the year. Melissa Griffin, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you so much, Simon. This is awesome. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneur Decoded. For killer resources and free content, go to entrepreneurdecoded.com.